We are continuing our sermon series that is today's text is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 2. Take a breath. How do I quiet my soul? And we're beginning with what we take in. And so for the month of January, this is really just about what are the things that we need to take into our lives so that we become more Christ-like and we can relax in God. See, that's ultimately what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to be filled with all the frustrations that our world has, but to be able to take in who God is and in the abundance of our relationship with Christ. Last week we talked about Psalm 139 and looked at God who is omni, all-knowing, all places, all-powerful. The very word omni means all. And we discover as you, we read these texts like Psalm 139 that God knows every one of us intricately and loves us. You see, people go through life and think, you know, if somebody really knew me, they wouldn't really love me, they wouldn't really like me, so we put all these facades and we discover that's not so in our relationship with God because God knows all already and God loves us. We're beloved, we're cherished, we've been created in God's image. Today we're continuing what we need to take in with a message around abiding in Christ. And we talk about that, we sort of use that as a catchphrase sometimes, and I hope that we have a better understanding of it today. How do we abide in Christ? How does that happen? You see, to abide in Christ is to grow in Christ. It means that we're being nurtured by Christ. If you think, and I'm going to use plant illustrations, but if you think of a plant, a plant abides, a, Jesus would say, for instance, a a limb abides in the plant, or the plant abides in the root system so that nutrients can come in. And what's the result of a plant abiding? It grows. It changes. You don't, you don't see a plant and, you know, 10 years later, if it's a tree, it doesn't look like the same tree. It grows. And abiding in Christ means then that we will grow. And that's why we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through chapter 5, verse 2, because we're looking at Paul's letter to a church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. The church had been established because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Paul had gone to Ephesus and had shared the good news, and a church sprung up. Now, as Paul's writing this letter, it's 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. So think about that. 30 years ago, I started thinking about this this week and thought, what does it look like if I try to think back 30 years in our collective life? 30 years ago, George Bush Sr. was in his final year of his presidency. Think of how much has changed during that time, but also, on the same hand, for a lot of us, that doesn't really seem that long ago. But on the other hand, we're like, well, a lot of things have happened. So Paul's question really is, how do we start a relationship and 30 years later continue to have it grow in our life? Hear that? We don't want to just start out and then just end, but how do we have that relationship with Christ that we abide in it continues and continues in our life and we continue to grow? Well, in his letter, Paul basically talks about three things to the Ephesians, and we're not going to look at all of them, but he begins with God's work, how God does all this amazing creative work, sort of like we looked at last week in Omni-God. Then he talks about how it's necessary for the church to have unity. It's important for us to get along with each other. You know, that's not just true in Paul's age. That's true for us today. We need to learn to love and support each other because when we love and support and encourage and care for each other, what we're able to do 
is get what we need in our lives and help others in their lives. But when we're divided, that doesn't happen. Amen? Same thing true in a family. If a family is divided, that family can't do the things that they need to do. The same thing Paul explains is true for us as Christians. And then he talks about abiding in Christ and what it means, and he brings it right down into our very basic life and says if we're going to abide in Christ, it needs to be lived out where we live. It shouldn't just be a doctrine on a piece of paper. Far too often Christians become, here's my belief system over here, but it doesn't affect us here. Do you hear the difference? This isn't just something we talk about over here. Abiding in Christ means we live it in our daily lives. We don't just say, oh, here's a litany of things that I believe, but rather look at my life and look at how I live. This is what I'm doing. And that's what today's message is about. How do we abide in Christ, make it so that we become like a healthy plant? The problem is that sometimes we stop abiding. And that's a lot of times, and I'm going to suggest that this morning, on us. It's not because of God that we stop abiding, but we may find an area of our life where we're growing and God has taken control of that area and we're making progress in it and we're feeling good about it. And we've learned there's certain things that we need to do in order for that to continue. Let's say, for instance, we've decided we don't want to be negative. We just want to be positive and we want to be a more attractive Christian because we're going to encourage other people and we find that we have devotions and we read our Bible and, and we pray about it and we catch ourselves when we're saying things that we shouldn't say and we replace them with positive words and we're feeling really good. Tracking with me here? And we're changing. And this is going well for us. And then all of a sudden, one day, we find ourselves spewing stuff we shouldn't say, acting in ways that are inappropriate, and we look at ourselves and say, how did I get here? How come I started here, but now I'm here? And then we see things that we've changed. I've quit my devotions. I've quit reading the Bible. I am not as active in my attendance and participation in my church. And why is it that that takes place? Why is it that negative thoughts and worry and anger and all kinds of these destructive things can come into our lives and just literally suck the spiritual life out of us? Well, that's again where I think this concept of abiding in Christ is helpful. And it got me thinking as I was preparing for my message about my mom, who was an amazing gardener. Now, I'm not a gardener, but my mom is a gardener, and my wife is a gardener. So if you visited our home in our little town in North Dakota, you would have discovered that my mom, as she used to say, wanted people to look at her yard, but she didn't want them to come into her house in the summer. If we have any gardeners here, they know exactly what I'm talking about. She spent all of her time outdoors. She got up in the morning and she was out there working all day long. And she said, what do I need to clean my house for? I'm taking care of my plants. And she had, I think, 35 rose bushes in our yard at one time. People used to drive by that stopped to take pictures of my mom's gardens. And she didn't just have her roses. She had all their different gardens. She had vegetable gardens. She had all this stuff, beautiful, all over the place. Every once in a while, I would hear my mom get very upset, and she usually would yell. She wouldn't say anything bad, but she would yell. And I would come out and say, what's going on? And she would be really upset, and she goes, those bronze cutworms got another one. You see, in North Dakota and Minnesota, they've got these little cutworms. They're called bronze cutworms. They have other ones that are in other places. And what would happen is a bronze cutworm would literally come to a plant and would eat around the stem down in the soil... And all of a sudden, my mom would say, my plant doesn't look very good. She'd touch it and it would fall over because it would have been completely severed. It was no longer abiding. 
and the plant would die. And sometimes that's what happens to us as Christians. Something just severs it. Something just becomes that cutworm in our life. It cuts it off. I'm like, how did that happen? How did I let that happen? What do I need to do? How do I protect against that? What are the things that can keep that from happening in my life? Well, what we need is we need protection. In our Christian life, we call those boundaries. Learning to have healthy spiritual boundaries. You see, my mom couldn't just take her plants and transplant them and move them to Florida. Just say, oh, you know, I've got the idea. I've got, I found a place where they don't have cutworms. I'm just going to take them and go somewhere else. And that's true with us, too. We live where we live, amen? We live in the town that we live. We live in the state that we live. We live in the government that we live in. We live in the family that we have. We have our jobs that we have. And the truth is, we need protection because there are things in our lives that become like cutworms that get a hold of us and just take the energy and the life and the spiritual life out of us. And that's why healthy boundaries protect our faith and protect us so we can abide in Christ. In Ephesians 4, Paul says both in verse 17 and 22, Now I say this, and I testify in the Lord, that you must live no longer the way the Gentiles do in futility of their minds. In fact, he goes on and says, You must put, on your old self, put off your old self. He's describing protecting ourselves with healthy boundaries. He's saying, folks, you are living in a pagan society where people do not have your values. Kind of sounds like 21st century America. You're living with people who view the world completely different than you do. You're not going to leave them, but if you keep just doing what they do, they're going to become like cutworms. They're just going to suck the life out of your spiritual life, and you're going to find that the things that you need to change in your life are not changing, and you're going to say, how did this happen? Same thing happened in my mom's garden. My mom discovered an answer for her little cutworms. Now, I thought she was brilliant when I was young. I also thought she was a little crazy and obsessive about this. But what my mom used to do is she would take tin foil and she'd go to her plants and she'd dig around them and she'd stick tin foil around each one to give a boundary for her plants. I googled it. Guess what? My mom is not unique. There are other gardeners who do the same thing. Think of how much work that was. No wonder she spent her time in her garden as opposed to in the house. My mom would take tin foil and go to all of her plants and she'd put this protection, this boundary around it. That's a spiritual principle that Paul's talking about in our life. This is like the things that happen in our life. Because here's something else that I learned about these little bronze cutworms. They don't care about the plant. They don't want to eat the whole plant. They come to a plant, they eat that portion, the plant falls over and dies. Do you know what they do? They don't eat the rest of the plant, they just go to the next plant and they take it down. Sounds like some things in our lives too, doesn't it? Something that can affect us or we get all caught up with and all of a sudden next thing we know that we thought maybe this was going to be something that was going to be something great in our life only to see that thing or that person just go somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else and we're just left picking up the wreckage of our lives. That's why we need boundaries in our life, things that protect us, things that keep us from having that spiritual life taken out of us or keep us from abiding. That's why Paul says so clearly, stop walking the way the Gentiles do. 
He doesn't say stop walking with the Gentiles. He doesn't say stop living where you're living. He says protect yourself so that when you're in the midst of people who live differently, if you are in a negative, cynical, gossiping situation at work, he doesn't say quit your job. He says learn to protect yourself so that you're not acting like everyone else. Learn to have those healthy boundaries. Likewise, my mom didn't move her plants to a new garden. She protected them. How do we do this? How do we protect ourselves? How do we put these boundaries in our life? Well, one is to avoid the things that negatively affect us. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's negative talk. Maybe it's criticism. It can be all kinds of stuff. And we can learn to just healthy say, I would like to change the subject and change the subject. Or we can learn to walk away from certain conversations when we're around individuals that we start finding that it just takes us down and takes us into a place we don't want to be. We can just put those boundaries up and just learn to do that. Another thing that we can do is we can cultivate positive Christian friends. That's why we have faith groups around here at Faith Community Church. Places where we can get together with others so that when we're starting to see those negative things come into our life, we can go and we can talk in a Bible study or in a small group, and we can start realizing that God wants us to live a better way. That's even why we're doing our devotional study, to say spend 40 days just putting positive stuff into our life so we start getting protection around the garbage that is in our world everywhere. Boundaries, healthy boundaries are so important. Another one is learning just simply to pray. Not to talk about prayer. Remember, we're taking stuff off of a paper and we're putting it into life. It's not saying, I believe a Christian should pray five times a day. It's rather saying, I'm going to go spend some time in prayer. Learning to walk away, quiet ourselves, and talk to God so that when we're struggling with things, we can take it to the Lord. Gordon MacDonald was a pastor up at um, Grace Chapel in Lexington, and he wrote a book one time about the people in our lives. And he said something that I'll always remember. He said, there's three kinds of people in everybody's life. You've got positive people who add to your energy. They add to your spiritual life. You like to be around them because you walk away and you're feeling invigorated and you've just had a good time. He said, there's, there's neutral people in our life also. There's those relationships that they don't add to our life. They don't take away from our life. They're just part of our life. And, and those are good things. And he goes, but every single person has those people in their life that are just negative and suck the life right out of us. Amen? Every one of us has it. People who just, how am I going to do it? And he said, here's the problem. Sometimes they're in our family. Sometimes they're in our workplace. Sometimes they're our neighbor. How do we then put those boundaries in our life not to leave the people and just say, I'm just going to walk away from everybody, but how do I protect myself in such a way so that I can live in a healthy manner in which I can thrive and I can abide in Christ no matter what? And that's what I invite us to be thinking about. How do you put those in your life? Are you careful with those? Because you see your soul, your mind, your spiritual life is a valuable treasure. It's very, very, very important. And God wants us to be abiding in Christ and, and changing and transforming and becoming healthier and becoming the people that God wants us to be. But protecting ourselves is not enough. Because if all we had to do was protect ourselves, there's really then no opportunity to grow. And that's why 
Not only do we have to look at protection, we also have to look at the soil of our lives, the stuff we live in. Or particularly, probably the soil of our life is our mind, isn't it? Because the stuff that we think about makes such a difference in how we live out every day. In verses 25 through 32 of chapter 4, Paul talks about enriching the soil of our life when he says, put away falsehood, speak the truth. Be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your angry. He even says, for the thief, let the thief learn to labor, doing honest work with his own hands. He says, have no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that builds one another up. Get rid of all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. May it be put away from you along with all malice. Learn to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving. You see, the Ephesian Christians were a pretty negative bunch. Think about this church. You went and you visited it, and you went yourself, you're checking it out, and your family is like, hey, how was church today? And go, well, they were interesting. What do you mean they were interesting? Well, they were dishonest. They were selfish. They stole when the offering plate went around. I saw people pulling money out and hiding it in their pocket. They cussed at each other and they yelled at each other. And that was worship. Wow, what a great group of people to be around. But that's exactly the characteristics that Paul had started to see in this Ephesian church. He says, look at the soil of your life. Look at the culture you've created as a congregation. Is this really how you want to live? That's true in every part of our life. That's true with our spiritual life for ourselves. That's true with the church. Hopefully we're in a church where we're working on cultivating the soil. We're amending it and changing it so it becomes constantly a place where we can grow in our faith. You see, same thing is true in our family. How do we work on that soil? Paul was clear that they needed to add something. That's why my mom didn't just stop the cutworm. She also did a lot of other things, and she treated the soil so her plants had healthy soil. My mom learned composting far before I heard it from anyone else, and she'd take old food, and she would compost, and then she would prepare the soil so that the soil was always healthy. Here's the thing, though. If you're a gardener, because again, remember, I'm not a gardener. I just learned from watching my mom. Preparing the soil didn't stop the, the hail from coming didn't stop any kind of storm. It didn't stop any of the things that could still come in and do damage. It didn't stop a chipmunk from coming through the garden. We have to learn to endure and get through a lot of things in life. And that's one of the reasons why we prepare the soil of our life. You see, if you work on the soil of your life, if you look, work on living in a healthy church, creating healthy things within your, your family, taking into your mind scripture and devotions and doing the things in such a way that you're living in a healthy, fertile soil, it doesn't stop a pandemic from being out there. It doesn't stop economic problems that are going to happen in our world. We learn to be healthy and create healthy things for ourselves so that we can grow, so that we can get through this stuff and thrive that's even better. We can thrive in the midst of no matter what life will bring to us. Too often we try to change on our own, and we fail, and we fall. It's like trying to grow in bad soil. Abiding in Christ has to do with boundaries, but it also has to creating a healthy environment. 
That's why Paul talked about a number of problems. He said, okay, to the person who's being dishonest, here's what you need to do. You need to work on this kind of fertilizer for your life. Work on the truth. No scripture. Or today we'd say, read a devotional. Read encouraging words that we put out Monday through Friday so that you think about something different and learn how God wants us to think. If you have problems with anger, learn to surround yourself with the one-day principle and dealing with stuff today rather than just dwelling on things day after day after day after day so that our anger just gets completely out of control. He even gave advice for the thief. He says, okay, if you've got somebody in your congregation who's dishonest, help that person get a job. Nothing like going to work at 8 o'clock in the morning with a bunch of other hardworking people to learn some work ethic. All he's talking about here is changing the soil, changing the stuff in our life so that we are in a healthy environment where we can grow and we can spiritually be alive and abide in Christ. He even talked about cursing. I'd say today, if you're having a hard time with saying things you shouldn't say, turn on K-Love, positive, encouraging radio every single day and learn to put the positive thoughts in your mind. The point is, by adding the right necessary things, we're able to change. By adding the right things and getting involved with the right stuff in our lives, then it can nurture us and then we can abide in Christ Because if all I do is act the way everyone else does and take in all the secular entertainment and put myself in the midst of everybody gossiping and saying things negative and join every single Facebook group in which people are mad about everything and I'm just part of it, guess what? I'm going to be a pretty dead Christian. But how many times do we just miss that basic principle that Paul's talking about? Having healthy boundaries and treating the soil of our life. John Wesley, founder of Methodism, fortunately had good Christian friends. Because one time he found himself really struggling with faith, and he questioned, should I even be a pastor anymore? And so he contacted one of his good friends to talk to him and pray with him, and the friend said, preach faith until you believe, and then preach it because you believe. Well, it makes a big difference whether you have that as a friend to talk to, or somebody who says, well, it's about time, John, you quit with all that Christian nonsense, why didn't you go get another job? You see, that's the problem that we create so often in our lives. We struggle and we wonder why we struggle, and the question is, what are we taking in? Who are you listening to? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And also, what are you reading and watching on TV? In a devotional David wrote recently, I thought it was really fascinating, he talked about our smartphones And he says, aren't they interesting things? People don't really think of them as smartphones anymore, even though we keep calling them a smartphone, right? It does all kinds of stuff. Most people think of them as a social media app or maybe a way to browse or or the web or a way to to, check their email or text message. He said, what if we change the way we look at it and say, I walk around with a pocket Bible that just happens to do a bunch of other cool things. See, if we begin with that, then that's what we go to and that's what we take into our lives. And that's what Paul is talking about here. I struggle with eating after about 9.30 at night. I'm an absolutely perfect eater from 6, 7 o'clock in the morning when I get up till about 9.30. Now, if Regina goes to bed at 9.30 or 10, then it gets really bad. Then, you know, a gallon of ice cream looks like the best thing, and I can justify a bag of M&Ms better than anyone else. 
In fact, a pizza in the freezer? Come on, why have one pizza when I can have two? Aren't we all like that? We all have some area in our life where we, we're like, wow, this is not healthy. But Bible teaches us, don't just cut out things in our lives. Don't just say, I'm not going to do that. But find the ways to do the healthy things and put it in. So you know what we have in my house every evening? I have a nice cut-up apple and a whole bunch of carrot sticks. Because if I surround myself and put the healthy stuff then, then I can make the change and I'm not obsessing over the stuff I shouldn't be doing. Same principle in our spiritual lives. When we learn to do the healthy things, to bring them into our life, to change the soil of our lives, it transforms us. And then as we're abiding in Christ, you know what we become? We become big, beautiful, fragrant plants. Isn't that what you want to be in your life? We get to be a garden. People are going to say, what church do you go to? I don't go to a church. What do you mean I don't go to a church? Oh, I go to the garden we call Faith Community Garden where we're all just lovely plants growing and being fragrant and living the gateway that God wants us to live because that's ultimately what it is about, folks. Therefore, Paul ends this section of his letter by saying, therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What Paul is describing here is a Christian who describes, who abides in Christ, who's godly, who walks in love, and then he calls us a fragrant offering. No, he's not talking about plants. He actually is talking about the way offerings were taken to the temple, but it's the same principle. It's not just that God would see an offering that was brought to the temple and find it a pleasing odor. That's what they believed in the Old Testament. But it's that plants are beautiful and wonderful and smell good when they're healthy. And we like to be around them, I know. Just go to the store. People buy them and give them as gifts all the time. And that's why we have our gardens, because there's something lovely about a plant that is growing and is being healthy. I'm going to give you a little secret back into the dating life of Pastor Stan and Regina. Take you back to the early 1980s when I fell in love with the most beautiful girl on our campus. And she and I started dating with no money at all. And what do you do when you don't have any money and you're in love as a Bible college student? Well, I knew that there was a garden in town. The name of it was the Lakeside Park and Rose Garden in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It became a national rose garden in 1928, and Regina had heard about it, but she'd never gone to it. So I said, honey, how would you like to go visit a rose garden? Didn't cost us anything other than a little bit of gas to go to that area of Fort Wayne, and we'd walk around the garden. Why? Because it was beautiful, because there were healthy plants just loaded with beautiful roses. And we could enjoy it, and we could just say, wow, this is great. We didn't look at the soil. We didn't go there and say, wow, they've done a really good job preparing the soil here. We didn't even check to see how they took care of their cutworms. We just enjoyed the plants. And that's what happens in our lives when we grow in Christ. Nobody else cares about our boundaries, and people don't care about what we're putting into the soil. But when we learn to abide in Christ, we become like that garden. And people are going to want to be around us. And we're going to help the environments that we're in. And we're going to be changing the cultures that we go into. And that's one of the ways that we can test if I'm abiding in Christ. Because if I go through life and I'm finding myself being negative and cynical, and people are going, man, you're just not a great person to be around. And if that's what people find in our church, 
They go, we're not going to call them Faith Community Church. We're just going to call them the Church of Ephesus of 2022 because they're just negative and cynical and they need to go through transformation. Folks, we're not being what God wants us to be because God invites us to abide in Christ so that we become fragrant plants, so that we become the salt and the light of our world. Our world is desperate for Christians to abide in Christ. They don't need us to argue with them. They don't need us to go into our communities and tell everybody what's wrong with them. They need us to be Christ-like. Get it? They need us to abide and dwell in Christ so that Christ comes through us. Christ's love comes through us. His forgiveness, his grace, his generosity towards others. And when we live like that, we're being exactly what God calls us to be. There's so many examples in our world in which people, both as Christians and also in other areas of, of life, have learned to have healthy boundaries and work on the soil or the, or the culture that they live in. I came across something recently that I thought was interesting, and so I'd like to conclude with, with this little thought. There are 370 acres that exists in Fremont, California, that was used from 1962 to 1982 to be a General Motors plant. And it was kind of put together as a sort of dingy automotive plant. Not exactly a great place to work. But on the other hand, they built cars, and a lot of General Motors cars came out of that plant. But nobody walked in and said, wow, this is just a beautiful place to be. And over a period of time, they finally weren't able to produce enough cars, and because of changes in the economy, General Motors got rid of the plant in 1982, and in 1984, it became a dingy Toyota plant. And it continued to be that until 2009, and Toyota did exactly what General Motors did, and did exactly the same kind of assembly line, new automotive, or new technology, but basically the same operating principle until, again, that plant failed in 2009. And in 2010, it got taken over by Tesla. Tesla said, we're going to do something different. We're going to open up all the windows. We're going to redesign the place. We're going to let the light in. We're going to make this a positive place to be. And we're also going to create cars a different way. We're not going to buy the cheapest widget, whatever it would be, from China or India or somewhere else. We're going to bring in bright engineers we're going to develop our own products right here. We're going to make our own batteries. We're going to work on our own computer chips. We're not going to need just one computer chip that, that we get it, the cheapest computer chip out there because it comes from such and such place. We're going to instead be able to take any computer chip because we're going to bring all these brilliant engineers in and they're going to be able to work with whatever we have. And the result is they got lambasted. People said, well, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Social media turned against them because it took them longer to produce a car than anyone else. And by April 3rd, 2018, they were trashed nationally on every major news source. What in the world does Tesla think they're doing? Why can't they learn to be a car company like everybody else? Why do they think that they need to produce their own batteries and their own computer chips? And why do they think that, that changing the way in which automobiles are made is going to work? Why it takes longer to get a Tesla car than any other car? Do you know what Tesla did? They ignored what everybody else said. They said, we have our mission and we're going to live life and do cars the way that we believe in doing cars. So they put up boundaries. 
We don't care what social media says. We don't care what you think about our car company. And what did they do for their environment? They doubled down and said, we just want to make sure every engineer and everybody who works here is on board and we're all in the same way and working the same way. Well, of course, life happens and storms come. You can work on the soil. You can do everything you can to have a healthy garden. But remember, you can't stop the hail from coming and you can't control the things that are coming down in the future. Guess what, folks? I don't know if you noticed this, but we've been in a pandemic, and there's been supply chain problems. All the major car companies in the world have been in trouble, and their production of cars has gone down, except for one, Tesla. They've increased their sales last year by 89%. Everybody else, all the other car companies, are now saying, oh my goodness, I guess they were onto something by not listening to everybody else, by creating a certain kind of environment and learning to grow the stuff themselves and produce their own batteries and produce their own super chips and do all their stuff themselves. And all of a sudden, even though everybody else wanted to take them down and say, you don't know what they're doing, they learned to be self-defined in who they were as a company as we need to be as Christians. We need to be comfortable with our relationship with God and what God's trying to do in our lives. We need to be able to put the boundaries up when other people try to come after us and try to suck the life out of us or try to be the cutworms or let the things that become the cutworms in our life, we need to find a way to not go move somewhere else and do something different. Because you know what happens when all we try is geographical cures, they don't work. Philip Yancey once told the story of a man that he knew that he kept thinking the way to solve the problems in his life. Now, Philip Yancey is an international author writes a number of wonderful Christian books. And in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he shares a story about this guy. He said he knew him when he was young, when Yancey himself was young, and the guy always was finding problems with everything else around him, and so he moved. And he said, so Yancey and his family stayed in contact with this guy, and they went and saw him, and he discovered that where he moved to, he still had all the problems he had before, because the guy had never learned to have healthy boundaries in his life. He just let everything else that everybody else do affect him negatively, and he became negative and cynical and critical. And so what did he do? He moved again, and he moved again, and he moved again. He goes, finally, this guy that I knew moved to Africa. And he said, so we lost contact with him. Until one day, Philip Yancey becomes an international speaker, and lo and behold, he's going to be in Africa. And in Africa, he's going to do a conference, and it's near where this friend of his had moved to. And he said, so I went and I visited the man, and he said, you know what he was? An angry, old, bitter man because he'd never learned to put boundaries in his life, to push off the stuff that's going to take him down. He'd never learned to have the healthy soil in which God can enrich him and feed him, because we cannot change the world around us. There's nothing we can do here that changes what happens in your family, in your work, and in the environment where you and I live. But what we can do is we can abide in Christ, and that's what I'm inviting us to do, just to take that in in our lives. How do we abide more in Christ? Get to know him better. Understand his word. Do a devotional. Pray. Be in conversation with other positive Christians. Because when we learn to do that, we learn that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And we quit being Faith Community Church and we change the name to Faith Community Garden. And we all become the lovely plants that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to look at the areas where we need to put boundaries. 
It may be conversations that we keep finding ourselves in that we just need to say, I'm just not going to go to those conversations. It may be things that we do that we know that we just shouldn't be in that environment and we need to make the change. It may be stuff we bring into our home that we go, you know what, that's just not healthy for me to have it. It doesn't matter if my neighbor has it, I can't have it. And we need to look at how you want to enrich the soil of our lives because the battle ultimately is in our minds. Help us to take in your word, to hear the things that you would have us to hear, the encouragement you have, to make the changes and have the transformation in our lives that we could become the people you want us to be. Because we know that 30 years is not a long time. It may seem like it now as we look to the future, but looking back, 1992 wasn't that far ago. And how do we know? How can we be certain the 30 years from now that we will be doing and growing in the way that you want us to grow? It is by following what you have us to do. Help us trust in you. Help us to abide in you. Help us to receive from Christ through the environments you put us in and the healthy choices that we learn to make in our lives to become and continue to be strengthened and encouraged by you. That we can not only be satisfied in the lives that we live, but we can find that we can make a difference everywhere we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.